0: Hello everybody, welcome to the Five Red Lights. My name's Aaron, and let's pick the bones from the snooze fest that was the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. One light, two lights, three lights, four lights, five lights, let's go, 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 go! Max Verstappen produced a masterful performance to beat both Mercedes cars in a straight fight, winning from pole position. He was denied the Grand Slam, however, by Daniel Ricardo, just in the fastest lap his final lap for Renault. Racing Point were denied third place by McLaren after Sergio Perez broke down early on. Can Dhabi survive as a season finale? Are there better options? And how did the season as a whole fare up despite the COVID-19 restrictions? All of that in today's 5 Red Lights podcast with me, Aaron. Let's dive into this. Okay then, guys. Welcome along. And this is a sad moment because it's the end of another Formula One season. But I think we need to, first of all, say well done to everybody for getting 17 races. Bear in mind they only needed eight to have a world championship. Now, they could have just been very cautious and said, okay, we're going to have eight races, 10 races, and they're going to be really spread out so everyone can go to a race and then isolate, and then we can go to a race and then isolate. But they were bold and they were brave, and they went for the jugular. And they went for 17 in the end, and they got it. And I was listening to uh, the F1 Nation podcast this morning, and out of 70-odd thousand tests, I think it was like 76,000 tests uh, that were done over the course of the season, only 78 positive cases of coronavirus uh, anywhere within the uh, F1 paddock. Although there was only three of those being drivers, which really says a lot, because we could have had teams catching it and then drivers pulling out left, right, and centre. We could have had depleted grids, which would have made (laughs) for a fascinating season. Could you imagine if Hamilton had missed three races, Bottas had missed two, Verstappen had missed a couple as well. We'd have had the most random results. It would have been a bit like the old days where drivers just broke down because they, they did. Um, but we didn't. So well done to F1 uh, for that. Uh, before I talk a little bit more about the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, uh, please be sure to uh, leave a like on the video or review the uh, podcast if you're listening on that. Uh, subscribe, follow, uh, check us out on Twitter at, uh, at five underscore red underscore lights. Um, and all the interaction and Any support you can provide is much appreciated. Just the simple click of a button uh, is all you need to do and is greatly appreciated. And I think this year of all years, we have learned the value of kindness and respect and supporting each other. So I think we should take that forward into 2021. So let's pick the bones from the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. That was, it was not fun. I mean, I love F1 and I've watched it. For as long as I can remember, I was a small boy when I started watching it. And you do get a few dud races. But, I mean, it's every time with Abu Dhabi. And something that sticks in my head, uh, I'm a huge fan of the TV show Friends. and The character Chandler, he describes uh, this woman he dates uh, as a big dull dud. And boy, was the Abu Dhabi a big dull dud. Because after the safety car early on, pretty much everything was baked in and we kind of knew where everyone was going to finish a few laps after that. Max Verstappen, though, he got it all right on the night because he was superb. Not only did he bag pole position with a splendid lap, he wasn't fastest in any of the sectors, but he managed to still deliver the fastest lap. And when you achieve that, it shows Tremendous consistency and that you've balanced the car almost perfectly for every aspect of a circuit. Now, he could have been fastest simply because he was fastest down the straights and making heaps of time down there, but losing a lot in the final sector. But he wasn't. He was there or thereabouts with the Mercedes nip and tuck through each of the sectors. But he, when the chips were down, produced the lap that mattered. It was a brilliant lap, edged out both Bottas and Hamilton. Amazingly, it's only his third pole of his career. And think of the amount of times he started on the front row or just off of it, and he's been oh so close to getting that pole position. Um, no one could take it away from him this time, not even himself. So he fully deserved it. And then it was about winning the start. And the start at Abu Dhabi is absolutely crucial if you can get away in front and you're in the front of the pack unless like in 2011 where Vettel spun off with a puncture you're probably going to win the race if you make it to the Czech flag now once Max did that he gapped Bottas and Hamilton couldn't keep up either and as much as this was a difficult track to overtake the Red Bull was simply faster um We're going to talk, I'm going to ask a question in a bit about whether this was a sign of 2021 and the things to come. Uh, I'll answer that in a minute, but Max made a really good getaway when the lights went out. And then he made a second good restart um, after the safety car, managed the gap, pulled away. That was it. Out of DRS, out of sight, out of mind. And it really shows that when Max is on it and he's at the front, he is as good as anybody. And we know how good he can be. We know how fast he is, but sometimes when you get into combat, you get those uh, variables that can cloud judgment and make things difficult. And I think sometimes Max has lost his way with those sort of things. But when he's just left alone at the front, he gets on with things and he is very efficient at delivering. Kind of like Sebastian Vettel, when he was at Red Bull, he was very efficient at leading from the front. He went the pace they needed to go to make the tyres last and win the race. As Jackie Stewart said, you have to win in the slowest possible time. Now, he was never under any stress at the front, but is this a sign of 2021? Let's argue that it is, because Red Bull have continued to update the car, they've continued to work hard this year, and they've won the final race, and they've beaten Mercedes on a track where they haven't beaten them uh, since the hybrid era began uh, to pole position and to the race victory and they've got Max Verstappen who's going into the offseason on the back of a very very dominant win and that can only do good things for his confidence but on the flip side this is a Mercedes card that was struggling with an MG UK issue which may have only cost them less than a tenth of a second if you believe what they say uh, Hamilton coming back from COVID, so for him to be only eighty-six thousandths of a second off of pole position, uh, having been ill and probably not trained very much—that's the critical thing there, that not having trained. Um, that that was a mitigating circumstance. I think Lewis might have had a little bit more in him had he been up to full speed. Bottas has just been battered from pillar to post this year, uh, trying to fight Hamilton, then almost or pretty much getting shown up a little bit by um, George Russell in Sakir. What would have happened if George Russell had been driving the other Mercedes this this weekend? Would he have been a little bit closer to Max, I wonder? Also that Mercedes haven't developed that car since roughly Barcelona, which was middle of August. Towards the end of August, start of September, they've stopped developing. Maybe Spa was the last update. So, Mercedes have kind of stood still at the front of the pack, but they've obviously focused their attention to 2021, so they'd have been testing things out in practice. And, you know, that old old, uh, shenanigan that they, they, they pull in practice. And that's allowed Red Bull to just creep up on them. I think, and on a track where they they got it right and Mercedes maybe didn't get it right in terms of balance, they were able to jump ahead. I don't think they'll have enough to close the gap completely at the start of twenty one twenty twenty one I still think Mercedes will be not comfortably, but they'll have enough in hand in the first few races to to ease themselves into a couple of wins at least at the start of the season if red bull are close enough they can make things tricky on strategy depending on who they put in the second car um i'm not going to talk about that today because it's been discussed pretty much everywhere else and on this podcast as well so can red bull beat mercedes in 2021 they can but they're going to need a lot of things to go in their favor i think and they're going to have to do a really good job with the with the updates for the car because they're saying they're carrying over about 60% of this year's car which could stand them in good stead because then they they will understand the car and they will know how to extract the maximum from it because it it was really difficult in the early stages of this year if they can get on top of that and they can produce a consistent car that allows both drivers to attack at full potential they could be right on the heels of Mercedes but I don't think they'll be ahead of them. So let's move on to the, the really big talking point, I think, from the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, where McLaren secured their best constructors finish since 2012, since Lewis Hamilton left the team. Um, they secured third in the championship, uh, beating Racing Point to that. But there was obviously a lot of factors that went into this. Um, Lando's super super lap. Quarter of a second off of pole. That was fantastic. Put him P4. Got him ahead of Alex Albon and this is where Albon is falling down. Um he managed to get himself sorted out in the race. He got past Lando and finished P4. But Lando tidy job. Once he'd lost that place, he didn't bother fighting a fight. He he knew he was probably going to lose in the long run. So he steadied the ship, brought it home in P5 very comfortable. Never under pressure from Carlos, um, who he kind of had the beating of most of the weekend. And Carlos worked his way uh, through after the uh, VSC, where he may or may not have held up Lance Stroll. Um, but he dispatched the two Ferraris, got on with the job, got himself up to P6 uh, by the flag. And it was a really welcome return to the top three for McLaren. They are a team that should be, given their history, should be Constantly up at the sharp end, you know. In a dream, dream scenario, we have Mercedes, the might of Mercedes, and then we have Red Bull charging at the front. Ferrari, the biggest name in Formula One, the most successful team in the history of the sport, and McLaren, one of the most dominant teams, an innovating team. If we could throw Williams up there as well, you know, you'd, you'd have you'd have your, your big boys. A bit like you do in football, where you've got the biggest teams with the most history, challenging for championships and and the big titles. And obviously, then you want to see the competition of the the independent teams, the racing points, which will become Aston Martin and Haas doing well and, and other teams. But we don't. But that's what we really want to see. And McLaren getting into third in the constructors is the first step for that. Racing Point kind of threw it away because they they had some bad luck go their way. I think Lance Stroll was having an excellent season up to the point where he got COVID and actually before that the the crash in Mugello, he was kind of shaken up a little bit by that. Then he got the COVID and he had this terrible run. He's kind of picked himself up in the last few races and he bagged the podium last time out in Sakia. Then yesterday was not a very good performance from Lance. He got stuck behind a Ferrari where he really really shouldn't have um it was Vettel on aging hard tires and the Ferrari is slow in a straight line and not so great around the corners then this this again goes back to can Abu Dhabi be the season finale if it produces such dull races because it it looked for all the world that Stroll should have just got through and got on science's tail and put some pressure on the McLarens, but it never materialized. And McLaren were able to ease uh, into that fifth and sixth finish, uh, even though they had the, the investigation of, of science's pit lane um, slowing in the um, VSC, which ultimately came to nothing. But then racing point, unlucky with Perez contracting COVID and having to put Hulkenberg in the car, they had to put Hulkenberg back in the car in, in Germany. When Lance got COVID, and they've had reliability, they've, but they've also made poor strategy choices. The decision to box Sergio from P three in um, Imola. That looks huge now because they would have gained huge amount of points on on McLaren that day, and operationally, Racing Point haven't been as slick as they normally are. Um, bear in mind they, they had a first and third start in Turkey and then Lance picked up a bit of damage and dropped back through the field you know finished ninth so there's been points where Racing Point have had the upper hand and they've let it slip through their fingers today we're looking back at a, a race where Sergio DNF'd early on but he was already up against it because he'd started from the back so when McLaren deliver in the way that they did. And their two drivers both delivered because they had Lando at the front, but if Carlos had gone out in Q2, it would have been all up for grabs. But you had Lando in P4, Carlos in P6, and they were pretty much bang on for a sizable chunk of points if they made it to the flag, and they did. It was Sergio who DNF'd, having taken engine changes and starting at the back. Lance made no progress. And in the end, McLaren fully deserve that P3 because they got the most out of what was not the third fastest car. But the Constructors' Championship isn't about who has the fastest car or the slowest car. It's about who has the best season with the machinery and the drivers that they've got. How can the team work together? It's not solely based on car performance because the strategies could be rubbish for one team. The strategy decisions can... Undo all the good work the drivers are doing, but then one team can just gain points and snipe for points whenever they whenever they can. And look at AlphaTauri—they picked up a win when nobody expected it. Racing point—they won a race when nobody expected it, and yet McLaren still managed to beat both of them in the in the World Championship. So well done, McLaren! A brilliant, brilliant season. I am really, really hopeful that they will take another leap forward when they put the Mercedes power unit in the back of that car. And they've got Lando and Daniel Ricciardo in there next season. If if they make some good improvements on the car, how close can they get to Red Bull for P2 in the championship? That's got to be their next aim. But I think they will probably just settle for consolidating P3 with a revived Ferrari next season. Let's talk about the um, Abu Dhabi as a season finale because should it stay there? Unless you're going to change the track, I can't see how it how it can. Obviously, money talks, but come on. We've got a Formula One. You've got to think about the fan. You can't just say, well, yeah, you're paying the most, so we'll, we'll do that. Interlagos and Suzuka are the two tracks that I've got down on my notes here. And they seem like the most logical solutions. Coincidentally, yes, they are historically uh, season finales from my early uh, years as a Formula One viewer. And over the last sort of decade or so, we've had Abu Dhabi. And another... What they both have in common is they're both old school tracks. They have variable weather conditions. They're a real challenge for the drivers. Brazil would be much better for the overtakes and which is and the racing element because we we have that missing completely almost with Abu Dhabi. If you think back to 2010 and 2016 where they were title deciders, they're memorable for what didn't happen. The overtake. That couldn't be made. Alonso on Petrov. Hamilton backing Rosberg into Vettel and Verstappen. And neither of them could get close. Would it have been different in in Interlagos? Yes. Absolutely it would have. Because the Ferrari that year would have probably been able to get past Petrov. You'd have had another safety car perhaps. You could have had rain in 2010. In 2016. Hamilton and Rosberg wheel to wheel around Interlagos it could have been slipstream after slipstream and it would have been absolutely a mega showdown and that's what that rivalry deserved not to see them trying to back each other up and you know the the, the slightly darker side of Formula 1 where you're trying to okay it's tactics but you're trying to sort of back someone up or force them off the track or not just generally not being able to overtake it would it would have been a much more befitting end to that rivalry Suzuka would would bring back a lot of memories of Senna versus Prost, Hakkinen and Schumacher uh, those years ago and obviously a lot of people remember Adelaide for 1994 but I don't think that would have been that would be a, a, a good choice because the street track it would be difficult to overtake with these cars. We've seen that it's possible to overtake around Suzuka and it's definitely doable around Interlagos. So I think Formula One really does need to think about how they want to sign off a year as much as how they want to open it. They go to Melbourne and it's bright sunshine and it's a big event and it's by the seaside and it's, you know, it used to be in the middle of the night watching it in the UK. So there was almost like a reason, it was a reason to get up and, you know, it was a, it was a big thing. Obviously, nowadays, it's a slightly more sociable hour in the morning. So that, that's better for, for British people's sleep patterns. Um, yeah, it's, it's a real big thing, the, the season opener. Okay, in Abu Dhabi, it's a twilight race and visually it looks fantastic. Great facilities, it's a nice place the fireworks i mean they were probably the best thing that happened all race let's be honest fireworks and then the donuts so you know if fireworks and donuts after the race are the best things that people are enjoying you got a problem obviously there's the layout i think take away the 5 6 chicane and then just go bang straight into the the hairpin overtaking opportunity because it's on the brakes and then you don't even need DRS there, because someone can make a mistake. They'll go wide, and then the the not having been able to follow so closely through the final sector might be negated. Could they resurface the track perhaps, uh, make it more abrasive so that the tires uh, just get chewed up? And there's a lot of thermal degradation through that final court through the final section. So you could have a double whammy, and. Tires could be absolutely toast after 10, 15 laps. All of a sudden, you've got a three-stop strategy that's necessitated because of the tires, and it's a long pit lane. So, who's going to chance their arm on a two, and who's going to gamble early for the three? And you'd get this massive offset. Okay, in my head, it, it, it sounds so easy, and I know it's a lot more difficult to put that into into action into into reality, but. We've shown this year through Formula One that we can try different things. Try the outer circuit at Bahrain. Go to Magello, where we've never been before. Go to Portimao, somewhere we've also never visited before. Bring back old tracks that previously were never thought of for the F1 calendar. Try something. I mean, Abu Dhabi pay all this money for their slot on the calendar. So surely they. They could take a little bit of responsibility and go, right, Mr. Tilker, we want you to make some changes to this track. Or we're just going to, we want to go to the FIA and go, we don't want the chicane anymore. We want to go to the hairpin, try something new this year and next year. Let's see what happens. If we can see they're actively trying to improve the racing without dramatically changing things, because I don't think there's enough space to to make wholesale changes. But there is, there is places they can do it. Then we can cut them some slack. But every year we go back, it's the same thing. We're going to have the same complaints. And the fans need to be listened to, especially when you've got no fans at the track. At the track, having not been there myself, but having spoken to people who have, it's amazing. It's a brilliant facility. It's a lovely place to be. And But on TV, that doesn't come across. Because the race is so dull, and the only reason we got any overtaking was because Ferrari left their two cars out on old tyres. But hopefully, fingers crossed, F1 and uh, Yas Marina Circuit can come together and come up with some sort of solution, even if it's Pirelli saying, "Okay, just for this race, we're going to bring random set tyres, and we're not going to tell you what they are, so you've got to work out." what works best so you might get you might have one where you can't get any heat into it you might have one that's so soft it barely lasts three corners something like that just something to spice things up at that race because as it stands the fans are going to get fed up with it they're going to turn off and it's just going to be a slippery slope for f1 because that part of the world needs racing if we want to be a world championship we need to be inclusive but we can't we, we don't want to see such desperately dull boring races where no one can do anything one thing making it tricky to overtake we, we want that challenge but where it's almost impossible it's just you know what's the point So that brings me to my final point. Let's have a look at the season as a whole Um, briefly. We're going to dive into a proper season review um, uh, over the Christmas period at some point. And overall, it was a very good season. It lacked the title battle that it probably could have done with. Had Valtteri taken Lewis all the way to the final race, that would have been mega. But he just doesn't seem to be able to do it. Max had some incidents and some reliability go against him. Obviously, the Mugello uh, accident on the first lap, but his engine was already giving up the ghost by then. But then we've seen some incredible races. We've seen two first-time winners. Monza race was incredible. Mugello event was fantastic. too. The Outer loop was absolutely mind blowing, and it had that that story, that double story of George Russell coming through on his debut for Mercedes, leading the race, having to fight back from the the botched pit stop, and then the puncture. And but then Sergio Perez wins his first race, and we've had people on the podium for the first time. We've had like thirteen podiums standards, which is incredible. I think the last time we had that many it was. 2012 or 2013, two new winners. First time that's happened since 2012 as well, I think. Um, Bonkers season, just lacking that that spice in the title fight. Imagine if we would had a a 2008 scenario where it went down to the wire and then it rained in Abu Dhabi or something bonkers. Just, you know, something to, to just keep us hooked all the way to the end because we waited so long and then we got all this racing right to the end and i didn't i didn't want it to stop i was really kind of down that it was it's the last race of the season but 96 days until melbourne 98 until the race so it's not far away it'll be back as it is every year you know sometimes later than others as as this year was but a fantastic season, thoroughly enjoyable. We've seen records broken. We've seen tears of joy. We've seen anguish. We've seen emotion. We've seen glory. And ultimately, at the end of it, we've seen Lewis Hamilton equal Michael Schumacher's seven world championships. In 2021, he goes for number eight. Then what? Does he retire or does he go for nine, ten? don't think he will get past 10 because time probably isn't on his side to get past that that's the end of this this podcast um thanks for listening thanks for watching and i will see you in the next video or next episode of the podcast remember to leave a like or subscribe if you haven't before um leave a comment what do you what did you think of the abu dhabi grand prix can you sum it up in one word go one word. Um, My name has been Aaron. We've reached the checkered flag on this podcast and on the F1 season. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I'll see you in a video or podcast very, very soon. Bye for now.